You're listening to Key Conversations for Leaders. This is episode number 26. Welcome, everybody. In today's episode, we're going to take a brief break from our normal interview format and do a bit of a masterclass. In this masterclass, we're going to be diving into the four themes of excellence. We'll be talking about how change is an inside job, how we create our reality, and how we can create results using the performance equation and much, much more. Your team and your business is a reflection of you. If you want to change what you see on the outside, you've got to change inside because your team and your business grow to the extent that you do. And to grow your team, you've got to start with yourself. And that's what the show is about. Better conversations for better leaders. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Key Conversations for Leaders. I'm your host, John Ryan. And today we're going to do a very special episode. Last week, marked our 25th episode and it was such an exciting time and and I look back over the last few months and all the great guests and the content and the information and the discussions that we've had and it's really been an amazing experience an amazing journey so I want to do something a little bit different and of course we have many many more guests experts in different areas coming onto the show to share their insights their wisdom and their information to help us increase our ability to lead, to get more results and to be more empowered as leaders and also help empower others that we lead as well. So I wanted to kind of look back over the last couple of months, the last 25 episodes, and kind of bring together four themes that I really think have emerged. Not only in these episodes, but things that have emerged over the last 20 years of the training development that I've been involved in, having the privilege of overdoing over 1,500 days of training in the last couple of decades, that there really are four different themes that really relate to what does it mean to not only be effective, but have an effective mindset so that we can consistently be effective in our lives, in our businesses and in leading others to create desired results. So I wanna do a little bit of content for us and jump into that. So let's go ahead and, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our discussion on the four themes. So the first thing to understand about the four themes is these are concepts, these are principles and ideas that you don't do to other people. They're not techniques in that way, but rather they're ideas that you hold inside of you that makes you more effective. So these four themes have been present in the last 25 episodes from a multitude of experts, and I imagine they're going to be present in the future because these are really the four themes of success, the themes of effectiveness that we see time and time again. The reason we're talking about them now is to make them more conscious in our awareness so that we can use them more consistently. So let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to go over big picture what are the four themes and then when I dive into each one of them so you have a fair and deeper understanding of what they are so you can again use them in your life and in your leadership. We have the themes of number one, your focus determines your results. Number two, the theme of ownership. Number three, the performance equation. And number four, experimentation and personalization. So let's dive in by talking about the your focus determines your results. The idea of your focus determining your results is the idea that we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. Have you ever had that experience? When you're feeling really good, the world looks good around you. When you're not feeling so good, maybe you're sick, you're under the weather, or didn't get enough sleep, 
Well, the world changes too. Of course, the reality is that the world is the same. It's us that's changed. So we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. But what's the mechanism behind that? Well, the first thing to understand is that we, of course, have a conscious mind and a non-conscious mind or unconscious mind, if you will. And I'm sure you've heard the statistics that you know 10% of who we are is conscious mind and the other 90% of us is the unconscious mind. Well, if you're going to focus on getting results, you're going to want to focus on controlling that unconscious mind because that's 90% of your entire experience. Yeah, the conscious mind has a role too, but the unconscious mind is really where it's at. So if you want to get better results, we've got to learn how to have a better relationship and ability to influence our unconscious mind. To do that, let's look at what I refer to as the results model. So the results model is really how do we create results? How do we produce the behaviors, create the effects that precedes the results that we really want? So where it often begins is some stimulus out in the world. We don't just have behaviors, we have some stimulus. And that, for example, is an event. Maybe there's some triggering event out there that we're responding to. These events could be positive, they could be negative. And of course, how we view them determines our experience of them. For example, maybe the event that we're dealing with is that there is a merger. Our company's going through a merger and, and we're not sure how we feel about that. So how we behave is going to determine our interpretation, which we're going to break down in just a moment. Perhaps we're getting some feedback from our boss, from our employee, from a customer, colleague, whoever. And we're going to figure out how we're going to respond to that feedback. Or maybe there's an increase in attrition in the organization and we're not sure what to do about it. So some positive, some negative events, depending on how we look at it. And we don't experience this directly. We actually experience it through our modalities, which is our go-between between the external world and the internal world. So our five modalities or modes of thinking are visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, and gustatory. Now, some people think of these as the five senses, but these really are modes of thinking. We have more than five senses. We also have the sense of uh, balance, for example, and proprioception and other things like that. But what we're referring to right now is the five modes of thinking. So visual, auditory, kinesthetic, those are the three primary modalities or modes of thinking. Then you also have olfactory, which is smell, and gustatory, which is taste, which are something that we don't really concern ourselves too much in terms of creating everyday results, especially in business, unless you're in the uh, dining industry or cooking or something like that. So VAK, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. So we see things, we hear things, and we feel things. Now, what are we hearing? What are we seeing? What are we feeling out there in the world is still a fraction of what exists because we have a certain amount of bandwidth that we can perceive from our external reality. Now, if you want more details on the science and the psychology behind perception, an amazing book you can check out is the book Flow by Hungarian psychologist Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. And in that book, Flow, F-L-O-W, I'm not going to spell out Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, that's a little bit too much, but you can always certainly check it out on Amazon Flow. He says, at the peak state, that's what he's measuring, really, when you're in the zone, when you are in the flow, at that peak state, 
we're taking in about 2 million bits of information per second, BPS, bits per second. That's at the peak. Now, other researchers have found that maybe it's not 2 million, it's 8 million. And I've seen some studies where it's more like 1 million bits per second. That's, a, that's okay, that's a lot of information. The main takeaway that you wanna get that from this though, is that even though we have 2 million bits coming in, we're only really dealing with about 126 bits. Our experience is not the entire event. Of the 2 million that's coming at us, we're only getting about 126. In other words, a lot of data coming in, but we only experience a small portion of it. Why is that? Why don't we get the entire reality? Well, the first thing you gotta understand, we don't want all of it. We don't want all of it. What our unconscious mind does, and it's developed over thousands and thousands of years, is it's learned the ability to filter out the data that's irrelevant so we can focus on what's most important to us. If you and I are having an amazing conversation and we're walking through you know, the, the forest and we see an animal near us that looks like it's about to attack, we are going to get rid of all the other things that are relevant and focus on fighting or fleeing because that's for our survival. So we wanna focus on what's most relevant to us and that's what our unconscious mind does. So one of the ways that it filters from 2 million down to the 126 is the three primary filters of deletion, distortion, and generalization. So a deletion is when you just don't see something. So if I see that animal nearby salivating, looking like it's about to a pounce, I'm gonna be pretty much getting rid of everything else in my awareness except for that threat that's in front of me. Now, that's not consciously, that's totally unconsciously because it's a survival mechanism. Fight or flight is actually pre-programmed in the body. We don't have to think about it, it just happens automatically. Our unconscious mind takes care of that. If you're looking for your keys and you can't find it and you check the desk and you come back later on and they're right there sitting at the desk but you didn't see them, that was an example of deletion. I see people all the time who are wearing glasses and they're like, have you seen my glasses? They're like, yeah, right here on your face or on the top of your head. <laughs> so that's an example of deletion as well. Now some people say, well, how do I get from the 126 to, the, to 252 or some multiple thereof? You actually don't wanna increase that bandwidth. You don't want to get to 2 million. That's not the goal. Because if you did, you would be extremely overwhelmed trying to process through all of that data and you wouldn't be able to respond effectively in the moment. Have you ever seen someone get overwhelmed at Baskin Robbins choosing between 31 flavors? If you have, you know what I'm talking about. You want less options, not more. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. So deletion is the first one. We delete a lot of things that are irrelevant to us in the moment based on our objectives, our values, among other things. Then we have distortion. Distortion is when you see things through a certain lens, you see it through a certain perspective. So imagine it's late at night and you hear a noise outside. Well, what do you think that noise is? You're by yourself and you just watched a scary movie. Well, if you're in that fear-based state, you're gonna perceive that differently than if you just watched a rom-com like The Notebook. 
So how we see things is literally impacted, affected by how we feel in the moment. If you go to a party and you're in a great state, you're going to have a, a different experience than someone else who goes to that same party and is not feeling so well. So this happens all the time. Not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It just is what it is. In fact, all art comes from distortion. An artist sees a blank canvas and they kind of change how it looks in their mind and then they paint it to look like that picture they have. That's an example of distortion. If you ever looked at clouds and you've seen shapes, that's distortion as well. So this happens unconsciously and it happens all the time because we make patterns like that. That's just what we're designed to do. And the last one is generalization. So distortion, deletion, and generalization. Generalization is when you take a learning from the past and you apply it in the present or the future. Bad for people, good for learnings. So it's not fair to say you go to some other country and, and you say, oh, I've been to that country and I met someone there, therefore all people from that country are like that. No, that's called stereotyping and, and that's not a, a, a nice thing to do. We don't wanna do that. Instead, you can learn though. We take our learnings from the past and we generalize. That's really what we do in life. We accumulate a bunch of learnings and we use those generalizations to the extent that they are useful for us in the moment and in the future. So how this works, for example, let's say you, you learn how to drive in a sedan and then you wanna go drive an SUV. Well, even though you never practiced driving an SUV before, you can do it because a SUV and a sedan work in general the exact same way. So our brain doesn't have to relearn things over and over because we can take the things we learned from the past and then generalize them in the future, which saves us time. So when you're driving now, you don't have to think about it. You just do it because it's all happening unconsciously. And that's why you can have a conversation with someone else in the car. You can listen to music and or talk to someone on the phone and have a, a conversation because you're driving unconsciously at that point in time. So we have our external events. We, feel, we perceive them through our modalities and we filter them through the three primary filters of deletion, distortion, and generalization. Now that's our experience and how that gets internalized is one of three ways. Internally, we have an internal representation, we have our emotional state, and we also have our physiology. That's our internal experience being filtered through those three pieces that we talked about a moment ago. Our internal representation are the words and the pictures that we have in our mind. That's it. Our internal representation is how we're encoding it. In fact, the words themselves have pictures behind them. So at its core, our internal representation is really the pictures that we have because the picture is worth a thousand words. We'll talk more about, that, more about that in just a moment. So our internal representation, we also have our emotional state, how we feel about it, and also our overall physiology. Now, if you want to change your behavior, if you want to get a different behavior and have a different impact effect on the world, we've got to recognize that all three of these impact each other. Our internal representation impacts our emotional state, our emotional state impacts our physiology, and vice versa. So how do you create different behaviors? How do you create different results is by changing one of these three things. Because you can't just change your behavior directly. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. 
how you change your behavior is maybe you change your physiology. Think about it. When you're working out and you're done and you have those endorphins running through your body and your blood's pumping and you feel really good, the world looks differently, doesn't it? And you take different actions based on that as well. When you're in a good emotional state, when you're feeling pretty good, you take positive action. So here's the thing. You can change your physiology. You can change your physiology by exercising, by getting good sleep, by uh, doing yoga, by eating things, by drinking things. Some of them are productive. Some of them maybe not so productive. And you can do that in the moment. Have you ever been to a seminar that's like a motivational seminar and you feel so pumped up at the end, like your physiology is like, yes, well, that's great. And that lasts for typically a short period of time. I used to do that when I first started out in, in uh, the transformational and development world. I would go to motivational seminars every six months to kind of fill up my gas tank, so to speak, because when I got done with the seminar, I felt amazing. And then I went back to my environment and I just couldn't necessarily maintain it. So I go back and fill up the gas tank over and over again. I figured something is wrong here. You can change your emotions. That's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. Or more importantly, the best way to do this, to really create different behaviors and results, is to change your internal representation. When you change the pictures that you have in your head, it's a trickle-down effect. You feel differently. Your physiology is differently, and you're going to create different actions, different behaviors, which is going to get you different results. So when you think back to our merger situation, instead of having fight or flight in that concept, if our, if we're going, our company is going through a merger, maybe we decide that our behavior is we're going to step up. We're going to recommit to this new company that's being formed and, and bring our best self to the table. If we're thinking about getting feedback, instead of you know worrying about you know what that means to me or, or being offended or trying to resist and justify why I did what I did, maybe just focus on learning, taking that information in. If we're thinking about the attrition that's there, or maybe if my team is is kind of having a, a turnover rate that's higher than expected, then I'm going to focus on getting refocused, getting connected to my intention, connecting with my people, having conversations, creating buy-in and going through that process. Because I can't always control them, but I can always control what I do, which we're gonna get into as one of the other themes in just a moment. So big picture, let's go ahead and summarize what we just said. We have external events. We filter them through our modalities. We have the three primary filters of deletion, distortion, generalization. We experience the external world in one of three ways. We have an internal experience, which is our internal representation, our emotional state, and our physiology. You can change any one of those, but if you really want long-lasting effects and behaviors, you're going to want to focus on your internal representation, which is the pictures. You know, Dr. Wayne Dyer said it this way, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So to summarize that, we have roughly 2 million bits of data coming at us. And out of that 2 million, we have the 126. Now, another way to say the 126 is often referred to as seven plus or minus two chunks of information. Seven plus or minus, a chunk is basically a group of information and seven plus or minus two, is, this comes from a paper written in 1956 by Dr. George Miller. It's called the magical number seven, magic number seven plus or minus two. And it really aligns very well with Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi's work in the book Flow. When you're at your peak state, 
you're really taking in a lot of information unconsciously. You're in the zone. You're kind of there, but you're also a little bit behind your eyes. If you know what I'm talking about? You're in and you're absorbed in the experience. You can handle at that point seven plus two or minus two, which means really five to nine groups of data at any given point in time. If you're not in the zone, if you're feeling a little bit off, we know that our bandwidth goes down. So maybe we're at a three plus or minus two, or in some cases, if you're maybe you've ever been so sick, you're not feeling very well that you're like one plus or minus two. I'm not sure what the minus two would look like in that situation, but if you've been really down and out, maybe you've had that experience. So that's what the chunking idea means. So we only pay attention to so much information. And the question is not, how do I get more information? I don't want to have 15 chunks I'm paying attention to. I don't want to have 252 bits to pay attention to. The question is, how do I direct my mind so that I'm focusing on the seven chunks that are most important to me? How do I focus on the 126 bits that are most productive at that point in time. When you do that, that's how you gain empowerment. That's how you really become in, in, in engaged in the mindset of being effective. Last thing I'll share with you on this concept here about our focus determines our results is also the words. Our internal representation, as we said, is, is primarily the pictures, but it's also the words that we have. It's almost our sixth modality, if you will. Not our sixth sense, but our sixth modality. So our experience, again, is the visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, and gustatory. And every second of every day, we're having all five of those going on. Outside of that, we also have our language, which is referred to as auditory digital, which, which is the words that we use to label our experience. And the reason it's kind of out of that category of VAKOG, our primary modalities, is because you can use your words, your auditory digital, to communicate all five of these. In other words, you can use your words to describe the visual, to describe the auditory, the kinesthetic, the olfactory, and gustatory. So it's on its it's kind of its own category in that sense. Just to clarify the difference between auditory digital and auditory tonal, as it's often referred to, is the auditory digital is like the lyrics. It's the words. And auditory tonal is more the melody. It's the speed. It's the volume. It's the tone. It's the pitch. All those types of characteristics. That's the separation there. But the words that we use to label our experience and why this is important is the self-talk that you have also directs your focus because a picture is worth a thousand words. And for every word that you have, you have a picture behind it. So you want to be very, very careful of the words that you use to describe yourself, to describe your employees, to describe your team, to describe your future. Because if you're choosing the words not carefully, you're planting negative thoughts, negative images in your mind, which produces, produces negative experiences, negative effects, like we talked about in the previous model. Because it's all about directing our mindset. You may have heard this quote before that comes from Henry Ford. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And this is not just about positive imagery, but it's about the language that we use as well. If you say you can't do that, you're going to find that to be true. If you say you can do that, you're going to find that to be true as well. And this goes for the pictures 
and the words together. So what we're really talking about here is taking this concept of our focus determines our results. I can't always control what happens out there in the world, but I can control what I focus on. I can focus on what I say to myself. I can focus on the pictures that I have in my head, which gives me the second theme, which is ownership. Think about this for a moment. If I'm responsible for my focus and my focus determines my results, then I'm responsible for my success. If I'm responsible for my focus and my focus determines my results, then I'm responsible for my success. Isn't that an amazing tool? So these two, these first two themes really come together. So we have focus and ownership. And when I take ownership of my focus by changing the pictures that I have in my head, by changing what I say to myself, I'm going to feel differently and have a different emotional state. I'm going to have a different physiology, which is going to produce a different effect, a different behavior, which produces a different result. But we got to be we got to pay attention to where is our focus? Because a lot of times our focus in life is on the problem. And thinking, speaking of words, by the way, we will actually distance ourselves from the problem. I don't know if you're, I'm actually a recovering blamer. There's a period of my life when, when I blamed everyone in my life except for me for what was going on in my life. And we all know on a conscious level that that's just not true, that we're responsible for that. But it's not what happens consciously that matters, it's unconsciously. Have you ever said to yourself, that person, you know, is a problem or that person has problems or it's their fault? If you ever had that type of languaging, then what we've done at that point is we've essentially disassociated or disconnected from the problem. We're like, that person is the problem. Now, that's fair. There are people out there that sometimes that they are causing the issue and I can't always control their behavior, but think about it from a logical perspective. I want to share with you a quick model here in relation to ownership. I can't control their behavior, but if, if I'm viewing them as the problem, now if, I, if I'm the problem, it's easier that I know I have to be the solution. But think about it this way. If they're the problem, the economy is the problem, the, the government's the problem, the world is the problem, my spouse is the problem, my kid's the problem, whatever it is. When I, if I'm externalizing the problem and they're the problem, by definition, guess what? Everything outside of that problem, including me, has to be the solution. Because if they were the solution, they would have already solved it. So from an ownership perspective, I want you to think about if you're ever externalizing a problem in your relationship, in your business, in your career, then who has to be the solution? You do. This puts it right back into our responsibility. So the moment you hear that in your head, or, oh yeah, they've got a problem, or they are the problem, it's their fault. We got to use that as a trigger to get it back in. Okay, I can't fix them, but I can do something about it on my end. So I'm going to be that solution. Because if they had the solution inside of them, they would have already fixed it. Because people do the best they can with what they have. Now, speaking of solutions, let's talk about our focus. Because the solution is to direct our focus. But we have in life a bunch of things that we're concerned about. Let's call this circle the circle of concern. The circle of concern is a vast circle, and it can be 
the world. It can be your country. It can be your company. It can be your family. It can be you. It could be the local environment. It could be pollution. It could be whatever cause you have that is important to you. Any number of things can be in that circle of concern. But the problem is, if you will, we can't control everything in this circle of concern. Because if we could, it wouldn't be the circle of concern, it would be the circle of control, which is the center of it all, which is you. Because if you really think about it, ownership-wise, where are you truly responsible? What are the things that you really can control in your life is what I'm trying to get to. What are the things you control in your life is really come down to a couple things. What you say, what you think, how you feel, and what you do. That's it. And if you really think about it, for the most part, we're not always fully responsible to that degree that we actually take responsibility for what we say, think, feel, and do. So even that is probably limited because sometimes we don't feel like we're in control. Well, I can't help how I feel. I just feel how I feel. Well, that's a sense of being disempowered, not taking ownership of our own feelings. But how we feel about things, as we've already established, is based on how we think or how we say things to ourselves. So we do have control, but we don't always exercise it. But at the very least, let's assume that you're in control of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and, and also your behaviors. Well, there's certainly, from there, we can start to impact and influence the things that we're concerned about, but that's to a limited extent. So in between what we're concerned about and what we control is our circle of influence. These are the people and the resources and the conditions around us that we can impact as a result of what we control, which again is what we say, what we do, how we think, how we feel inside, as expressed through what we say and what we do. So yes, we have a ton of things that we are concerned about in life. If you really want to take control, focus on what you're responsible. What do you really have ownership of? And that's your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions. In doing that, you're actually able to increase that circle of influence to manipulate, influence, and affect the environment and the results around you. So really what we're talking about here, all these last two themes together, the focus determines your results and ownership, brings us to the third theme, which I refer to as the performance equation. And you've already heard it a couple times in our discussion so far, if you've been paying attention. And really how you have performance, how you actually to create performance consistently is you got to recognize that thinking plus feeling plus behaving equals results. Thinking plus feeling plus behaving equals results. When you think about the things you're concerned about, we all want different results personally, professionally, in our relationships, for our children, for the environment, for our country, for the world. But the reality is you don't just get results. You don't just end pollution, right? You don't just end global hunger. You actually have to change our behavior. If you want to grow your company, you have to change your behavior. If you want to get through to a, a new customer, you have to change your behavior. But you don't you can't just change your behavior. You ever tried to change a behavior that's not working for you? Maybe you're eating too much, maybe you're not sleeping enough, or you're not exercising and you want to start exercising. You know you can get results if you just start, you know, going out and walking consistently. 
But the problem is how we behave is determined by how we feel. And you know that changing your feelings is not the easiest thing to do, especially in the moment. It's not that it's impossible, but it takes commitment, it takes practice. When you are congruent, you can do that, but it takes practice. And how we do that, if you read someone who's angry or you're feeling angry and someone tells you to calm, they say, calm down. And then you're like, I'll show you calm. And then you escalate it just that much more. Well, that's an example of not being able to control our feelings. The true way we can change our feeling is by changing our thinking. And our thinking, again, is what we say to ourselves, as well as the pictures that we have. And if you want to change, you change the pictures, you're going to say something different or change what you say and you'll see something different as well. So it works in both directions. So thinking plus feeling plus behaving equals results. You know, I read a statistic recently and it had to do with communication. And you think about it from a leadership perspective, communication is everything. You know, the name of this podcast is Key Conversations for Leaders because, yes, we're having a conversation right now, but it's conversations that are important, that are key, are ones that we have to have. But the reality is that, in general, managers don't want to have conversations in general, let alone when it's difficult conversations. In order to have different results with your employees, with your team to improve performance, you got to have better conversations. You got to be willing to have that conversation first and foremost. And the way you change that behavior is change how you feel about it by changing the picture. If you see it in your mind first, that's how you create it in reality. Stephen Covey said it this way everything in life is created twice, first in your mind, then in reality. So if you want to create different results, going back to the Henry Ford thing, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are right. Visualize what you want and then allow that to come through. Because when you see what you want, you feel differently, you behave differently, and the results materialize around you. So that's the first three themes. We Again, we have your focus determines your results, ownership, and performance equation. The last one is experimentation and personalization. We've actually talked a little bit about some concepts and techniques that you can do right now to change your experience and change your results. First one that we talked about literally is directing your focus. If you don't like the reality that you're in right now, change what you're focusing on. Instead of focusing how bad things are, focus on how things can be and and begin to take action. Focus on changing one thing, doing something right now to create a positive seed that can grow and practice. Find what works for you. The reason I bring in this idea of experimentation and personalization is because what works for me may not work for you. The principles will work. The four themes are true, but you also got to find how it works for you. So if auditory works for you, maybe the self-talk is the key for you, Cool, then change your self-talk. If the pictures work well, then change your pictures. Maybe you gotta find both that works well. What you really want to, to make this work and really bring these concepts to life is curiosity. Curiosity is really the predecessor of all inventions. It's the predecessor of results. In life, we get curious when we get creative. 
and we try to find things that will work. So instead of getting ourselves locked in and saying, you know, that won't work, which again is violating the whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right principle, or at least using it in the negative sense, ask ourselves, how can it work? That puts us into a creative mindset, experimentation. And then personalization is finding what works for you. When you look at the different programs for success and the models out there for creative problem solving, leadership, communication, et cetera, those are just principles. And when you apply it, you're going to find your style and what works for you. So putting all these things together is going to help you get in a very positive framework. So your focus determines your results. Ownership. If you say they are the problem, then that means you must be the solution. When you focus on what you control, which is your thinking, your feeling, and behavior, which is the third theme, that's going to allow you to continue to experiment and personalize your interactions to get the results you're actually looking for. So I hope you found our discussion on the four themes helpful and something that you can play with going forward. And thanks so much for being here and spend the time with us. Until next time, develop yourself, empower others, and lead by example. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Key Conversations for Leaders with your host, John Ryan. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know. Give us a rating or write a review. For more free content, go ahead and visit us at keyconvo.com slash free. And if you haven't already, connect with me on Twitter at Keyconvo or on LinkedIn under John Ryan Leadership.